following sermon, entitled Father, Glorify Thy Name, was preached on the morning of May 1st, 2022, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Redlands, California. If you enjoy listening to our sermons, we encourage you to come worship with us. For more information on upcoming service times and Bible study opportunities, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Now let's turn in God's Word to John chapter 12. Our scripture reading this morning is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 12. We will read this morning verses 12 through 36, and we do this in connection with the Heidelberg Catechism and its explanation of the first petition, Hallowed be thy name. John 12, beginning at verse 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet Him and cried, Hosanna! Blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when He had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy King cometh sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not His disciples at the first, But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of Him and that they had done these things unto Him. The people therefore that was with Him when He called Lazarus out of the grave and raised Him from the dead bear record. For this cause the people also met Him, for they had heard that He had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, There shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered, and others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. How sayest thou the Son of Man shall be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, Believe in the light that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and hid Himself from them. Thus far we read God's Word. It's on the basis of John 12 and many other passages of Scripture that we have the instruction of the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 47. Lord's Day 47 in the back of our Psalters on page 26 which is the first petition, Hallowed be thy name. 
That is, grant us first rightly to know Thee and to sanctify, glorify, and praise Thee in all Thy works in which Thy power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed. And further also, that we may so order and direct our whole lives, our thoughts, words, and actions, that Thy name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. Congregation, what is it that you desire most of all in life? In other words, what is most important to you? Or to put it still differently, if you could ask God for one thing, what would you ask Him for? No doubt many different answers come to mind. And no doubt many of those answers are things that in and of themselves are perfectly legitimate to pray for. Things that are proper to pray for. But among the things that come to your mind is one of them that God would be glorified in and through you in the way that you live your life. Is that one of your chief desires? Would that make even the the top ten list of things that are most important to us in this life? Well, it ought to be. And we say that in light of the instruction that we receive in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray known as the Lord's Prayer. Because when Jesus comes to making petitions, the first petition He taught us to pray is, Hallowed be Thy name. And Jesus was thereby teaching us this is a priority above all else that God would be glorified. And that's what we want to see this morning as we look at this petition and this Lord's Day. We are making our way through the Catechism's explanation of the Lord's Prayer. Last week, we considered the address and the fact that Jesus taught us to pray to the One who is both our Father and the One who at the same time is the One who is in heaven. And how we have to have both of those aspects of this address in view when we go to God. Otherwise, we are going to be led astray. This week, we begin looking at the various petitions that make up the Lord's Prayer. Specifically, we look at the first petition, Hallowed be Thy name. And we want to come to understand this petition better by learning how Christ made this prayer His own. For when we considered Lord's Day 45, we were reminded that the life of Jesus Christ was a praying life. He was often going away to find time to pray with his, apart from His disciples. And one of the prayers that sacred Scripture records for us is the prayer that we find in John 12, verse 28. Father, glorify Thy name. And while He prayed that petition in that specific place at that specific time, Undoubtedly, we could also say that that was a prayer that characterized the whole of His life. Father, glorify Thy name. And that prayer is relevant for us this morning because that petition, Father, glorify Thy name, is essentially the exact same prayer as the first petition. Hallowed be Thy name. So this morning, we look at Lord's Day 47 using as our theme... Father, glorify Thy name. First, we'll look at Christ's prayer. Second, we'll look at our prayer. And then third, we'll look at God's answer. Father, glorify Thy name. Christ's prayer, our prayer, and God's answer. In giving us this prayer that serves as a template, Jesus taught us to pray, hallowed be Thy name. That is, we're praying that God's name would be set apart, that God's name would be glorified. But that may raise the question for us, why do we need to make this petition? 
Because after all, is not God's name already set apart? Is God not already holy in and of Himself and glorious in and of Himself? Why would we need to pray for something that's already true? It kind of feels like praying that water would be wet or that fire would be hot. And we might also have that question because does not God also do all things to the glory of His name? We read His law this morning and we were reminded our God is a jealous God. He's jealous for the glory of His own name. And does that not mean that He's going to do all things to the glory of His name no matter what, regardless of whether we pray for it or not? Why? Do we pray, hallowed be thy name? Well, on the one hand, when we are making this petition, we are not praying that God Himself would become holy or glorious. Because it is true, God is holy and glorious in and of Himself. And the reality is that there's nothing that can change that. It's impossible that God's glory or holiness would ever be diminished in any way, but it's also equally impossible that we could ever add to His glory or to His holiness, that we could somehow augment His glory. So we're not praying that God Himself would become holy or glorious. And as for the idea of praying that God would do all things to the glory of His name, that is a part of this prayer, though it's not the main part. It is a part of this prayer. And there's nothing inherently wrong with praying for something that's going to happen no matter what. Christ is going to come again at the end of all time no matter what. And yet we still pray that the Lord would come quickly. And we do so as an expression of our desire for His coming. And so it is with this petition, hallowed be Thy name, that is, do all things to the glory of Thy name because that's our desire. That's what we want as Thy people. So that is included in this petition, but it's not the main idea of this petition. It's not the main point. So what is the main point? When we pray, hallowed be Thy name, We're asking that God's name would be set apart, that it would be glorified in, among, and through us. We say that in light of the instruction of the Heidelberg Catechism. The Catechism is our guide. And while we will come to explaining the language in a moment, notice the the pronouns that are used throughout when it explains what it means that we're praying this, we pray that grant us first rightly to know Thee and to glorify Thee and praise Thee in all Thy works. And then it lists some of His attributes. And further, also that we may so order and direct our whole lives, our thoughts, words, and actions that Thy name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. We're praying that God would be glorified in our hearts. That His name would be set apart among us as a people and as a church. And we're praying that God would be glorified through our lives. That what is true about Him no matter what, that He is glorious, that He is holy, would be on display. That this would be shown. That this would be visible and manifest. So that we're really praying that God would be receive the praise, the honor, and the glory that He is worthy of, and that He would be glorified in, among, and through us. That's our prayer. And we pray that with our Savior Jesus Christ, because that too was His prayer. So we read in John 12, verse 28, for example. We read of Jesus praying, and in John 12, verse 28, we read, Father, glorify Thy name. It's the same basic petition as, Hallowed be Thy name. And what's striking about this petition is the context in which 
Christ makes this petition. He prays this just after He has told us His soul was troubled. That's verse 27. Now is my soul troubled. Because Jesus Christ is a has a real and complete human nature, that means He has a real human soul. And with a real human soul, He was able to have feelings. He was able to have emotions and affections. And now here He's telling us that what He felt in, that, in His soul at that moment was that He was troubled. He was agitated in His soul. He was disquieted in His soul. He was unsettled in His soul. And the way that He puts it in the original language in light of the specific tense that's being used, what Jesus is communicating is that His soul has been troubled for some time now. And that sense of anxiety, that sense of disquiet has only been increasing. It's been intensifying to the point it's at now. That leads us to ask, why? Why is his soul troubled? And the answer is clear from the context. Because the horror of the cross of Calvary was looming before him like it never had before. Did you notice as we read this passage of Scripture, the repeated mentions of the death that Jesus Christ would die? Starts in the portion we did not read. Verse 7, Jesus defends Mary when He says, let her alone against the day of My burying hath she kept this. He has in mind He's going to be buried soon. Verse 24, He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. He Himself is about to die and have His body placed into the ground. Verse 25, He speaks of losing His life. Verse 32 is the most explicit verse. 32 we read, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This said he, signifying what death he should die. The cross was on Jesus' heart and mind. It's what he was thinking about. It was looming before him. And it's in light of that that we can understand what he's saying, what he's talking about when he says what he does in the rest of verse 27 and speaks of His hour. Verse 27, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into this, unto this hour. What hour? Well, the hour that He mentions twice is the hour of His final suffering and death. It's the hour of His lowest steps in His overall humiliation. And that hour had now come. Jesus says in verse 27, Now is My soul troubled. Right now, it's troubled more than it ever has been. Because this is the Passion Week. This takes place in that final week of His suffering and death. He's but days away from being arrested, tried, and crucified at Calvary. His death is approaching. And we, are, and we must remember, His death was not like our death. As believers, we die with the comfort that our death is not a payment for sin. But you understand that's true only because the exact opposite was true for Christ. His death was a payment for sin. And He knew that. He knew right then and there when He says this that as He stood before God, He was guilty. Guilty not on account of his own sin, but guilty as the sin bearer who had all of our sins upon his shoulders. 
He's about to die an accursed death. This is going to be retribution for sin. And he must die not only physically, but also spiritually. He's about to be forsaken of his God. And so is it any wonder that he says what he does? Now is my soul troubled. His hour has come. His death is near. The cup that he must drink was looming. The cross was approaching. And thus he says, Now is my soul troubled. But that is not all he says. He does not put a period there. Instead, he continues. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Before this cause came I into this world. Father, glorify Thy name. He prays to His God. That's what we have here in verses, the rest of verse 27 and the beginning of verse 28. This is a prayer. And now, regarding that language found in verse 27, It's worth noting that there's considerable debate about how we are to understand that, especially the phrase, Father, save me from this hour. Verse 27 reads, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into this world. And the debate is, is that phrase, Father, save me from this hour, a question or is it a petition? Some interpret it as a question. So that the idea would be, now is my soul troubled, then what shall I say? Shall I say this? Father, save me from this hour? Question mark? No, of course not. Because for this cause I came into this hour. And that interpretation envisions the the question saying, this is what I'm not going to pray for. I'm not going to pray, save me from this hour. Instead, this is my prayer. Father, glorify Thy name because this is the very reason I came into this world for this hour. That's one interpretation. The other interpretation is to interpret that phrase as a petition. So that the idea is this, that now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But now because He adds, but for this cause came I unto this hour, Father, glorify Thy name, Therefore, we are to understand the petition this way. Father, save me from this hour if it be Thy will. If it be possible, save me from this hour. And if it's not possible, then glorify Thy name. And according to this interpretation, what we have here in John 12 is analogous to what we find later on when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. Two different interpretations. Each of them has their merits. And the reality is that for the sake of this particular sermon, we do not need to decide upon one and reject the other. Because regardless of how we understand it as a question or as a petition, the overall point is really the same. Jesus' chief desire is that God would be glorified. That's what governs this prayer. Though there may be debate about what He meant when He said, Father, save me from this hour, there is no debate at least there ought not be any debate, if there is any, about the phrase, Father, glorify Thy name. That's the heart and center of His prayer. And again, He's praying this in the same sense that we pray, hallowed be Thy name. He's not praying so much from a general point of view, Father, do all things to the glory of Thy name. That's a legitimate part of our prayer life. But here He's praying, Father, glorify Thy name in and through Me. 
That's the point. And what's so beautiful and so striking about this prayer is the context in which he prays it. Now is my soul troubled. Because he's because the horror of the cross of Calvary is looming before him. And nevertheless, but nevertheless, he prays, Father, glorify thy name. Though it means I must suffer, though it means I must die on the cross, what's most important is that thy name be glorified. And now it's in light of this prayer that we can draw a couple of lessons for ourselves. Still in the first point. The first lesson that we draw from this is that our chief purpose in life is the glory of our God. That's what was chief for Christ. That was true of His whole life. Not just in this moment, but His entire life. So much so that Jesus could say as He does in John 8, verse 29, and He sent me, and He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. All that Christ ever did was for the the glory of the Father. And that's reflected in this petition here. When Christ prays in John 12, verse 28, more important to Him than avoiding suffering, more important to Him than earthly acclaim, more important to Him really than anything in all the world, was that God be glorified. And the same is to be true of us. And that's precisely why Christ taught us the Lord's Prayer with the petitions in the order that they are in. Before we pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Before we pray, give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Deliver us from evil. Before we get to any of those things, what's first is hallowed be Thy name. That's what's most important. And it's in light of the Lord's Prayer we understand the wisdom of those men who penned the words of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, especially question answer one. Question one of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is the chief end of man? The answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's the first lesson from this passage. The second lesson from this passage is that God's name is glorified especially when His people do His will. That was true for Christ. Christ prays what He does. Whether we interpret it as a a question or a petition that He qualifies with, if it be Thy will, When he says, Father, save me from this hour, it's clear that he's willing to go forward. And he does go forward. He continues on the path that leads to the cross. He came to do the will of the Father, though he must suffer and die as a part of that. And it was in that that God was glorified. We'll come to the answer in the third point, but... God is glorified in this because Christ did His will. That's instructive for us. That God's God's name is glorified when we do His will. And that's part of the reason for the structure of the prayer and how the petitions fit together. The first prayer, because it's most important, is hallowed be thy name. But that first petition is not unrelated to what follows. But rather, when... We pray, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The idea is that God's name is glorified when his kingdom comes and 
when His will is done. And that's the point we're making here. So Christ, thought, so Christ Himself prayed, Father, glorify Thy name. And now we pray that same prayer with Christ. This becomes our own prayer. And this prayer, this petition, is crucially important for two main reasons why we need to make this petition our own. The first reason this prayer is important is because as God's adopted children, we have His name now placed upon us. See, that's a part of the wonder and a part of the privilege of being His children. And remember, we are His children. That's how we come to Him in prayer. That's what we learned last week when we looked at the address. We call this one Father because He has brought us into His family. He has made us His sons and daughters. And a part of that work is that God has taken His name and placed it upon us. He did that at baptism. When we were baptized, we are baptized into the name of the triune God. Into the name of the One who is Father, Son, and Spirit. He has marked us out as His own people. And the significance of that is that how we live our lives now has bearing on His honor and His glory. So that from a negative point of view, when we walk in the paths of disobedience, that becomes the occasion for others to blaspheme our God. We say that in light of 2 Samuel 12, verse 14, where Nathan said to David concerning his sin with Bathsheba, by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. That is, when as God's children we walk in sin, we're giving them opportunity to profane the name of our God. We're obscuring the honor and the glory of our God that is there. And that's from the negative point of view. From the positive point of view, when as God's people we walk in the path of obedience, that then becomes the occasion for others to glorify our God. And we say that in light of Matthew 5, verse 16, a well-known verse, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This verse is connecting our good works to others glorifying God. And the idea is this, that when God's work of grace in our hearts and lives is on display for others to see, that then becomes the occasion for them to glorify God, for others to be brought to Christ for example. So God has placed His own name upon us. And because that's true, that makes this petition important. Because as His children, as those who are thankful for our adoption, we want His name to be glorified. That's the desire He has worked in our hearts. And exactly because we've been given this privilege, this treasure of having His name upon us, we want to bear that name well to the honor and glory of our God. And thus we pray, hallowed be Thy name. Father, glorify Thy name. The other reason, the second reason why this is an important prayer is because as sinners, we are unable to do this in and of ourselves. And this is simply a matter of being honest with who we are from a spiritual point of view. There's corruption in our hearts. Yes, we've been regenerated. But there is still a part of every one of us that is totally depraved. There's a part of me that hates God and hates my neighbor So much so that we can say with the Apostle Paul, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. There's a life 
principle in me that's bent on sinning. There's a monster inside of me as it were. And because that's true, it's important to pray, hallowed be Thy name. Because the reality is we need help if we're ever going to live in such a way that God's name is glorified in, among, and through us. Of ourselves, we're unable, and thus we need God's grace. And that's really what we're praying for in this petition. We're praying for that help. We're praying for that strength, for that grace, so that God might be glorified in and through us. And that comes out in the language of the Catechism when it says, Hallowed, what is the first petition? Hallowed be thy name. That is, grant us, grant to us the grace we need for everything that follows in the explanation of this petition. Now we do want to look at what follows at this point in the sermon. We see in the rest of the answer, there are really two different things that we're praying God would give us the grace to do. The first is that we would know and must praise Him as God. First half of question and answer 122 reads this way, Grant us first rightly to know Thee and to sanctify, glorify, and praise Thee in all Thy works in which Thy power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed. We're praying that God would work in us that we might know Him. We're praying ultimately for the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit would illuminate our own hearts and minds so that we can understand God's Word and so that we're receptive to it. And that He would also illuminate the Scriptures. Shed light upon them so that we can make sense of them and see how they apply to our lives. God, help us to know Thee. To know Thy works. That's what the Catechism mentions. Praise Thee in all Thy works. His work of creation. His work of providence. His work of salvation. And that we would know His attributes which are on display in those works. His power. His wisdom. His goodness. His justice. His mercy and truth. But we are not interested in knowledge for the sake of knowledge. The prayer is not just help us to know Thee. It's help us to know Thee and praise Thee. Help us rightly to know Thee and to sanctify, glorify, and praise Thee. We're praying that our theology would turn into doxology. And again, we pray this because this is not our default by nature. By nature, we hate God. And thus we pray, work in me by Thy Spirit to will and to do This, that we might praise Thee consciously and actively and willingly in song and in prayer and in worship. That's what we're praying. A part of what we're praying. When we say, Father, glorify Thy name. The second thing that's mentioned in the Catechism is that God would grant us the grace, the help, to live our lives in a God-glorifying manner. To live our lives in a God-glorifying manner. Catechism continues, and further also, here's the second thing, that we may so order and direct our whole lives, our thoughts, words, and actions, that Thy name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. So if the first half has to do with our conscious acts of praise such as worship and prayer and singing. The second half has to do with uh, our lives as a whole. God, give us the grace to live in a God-glorifying manner. Because of myself, I'll never be able to. I'm a sheep prone to wander, to going astray. I have foolishness bound up in my heart. And therefore, if left to my own strength, I'm only ever going to walk in the ways of sin. I need Thy help. I need Thy grace. Thy grace on the one hand so that I do not walk in the paths of sin because 
As we saw earlier, when we walk in those paths of sin as those who bear His name, we're giving others the occasion to blaspheme our God. The Catechism says that Thy name may never be blasphemed. God, prevent that from happening. Keep us back from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over us. But not only work in me so that I do not give occasion for others to profane Thy name, but work in me in such a way that I live a life that is going to lead to the glory of Thy name. Catechism says, but rather honored and praised on our account. We're praying, help me Thy will to do. We're praying, give me the single eye. Thy name to glorify. That's the meaning of this first petition. Is that your prayer, child of God? Is this what's most important to you in life? Is this what's first in your heart and mind? And now to link it back to the first point, do we make this prayer, does this remain our prayer even in the midst of trials and afflictions? Is this still our prayer even when the answer to this prayer means suffering for us? It's an important question because there are times where the child of God can genuinely say, now is my soul troubled. Now is my soul disquieted within me. It's been that way for some time and it's only been increasing in intensity. When that's true, what shall we say? Is our prayer in that time, God, make my life easy? God, take away all of the suffering? And now to be clear, in the midst of suffering, there's nothing wrong with praying, Father, remove this disease if it be Thy will. Take away this source of pain if it be Thy will. Get me through this trial. Those are good and legitimate prayers to pray. But there is a danger for us that what becomes most important to us, what becomes our all-consuming desire, is my kingdom, my power, and my glory. So that our prayers, at least what's the desire of our heart, is that God would just make my life easy and comfortable. That He would remove any and all pain and afflictions. And because that's what's in our hearts, we're reminded we really need grace even to pray the first petition. We need grace to pray this from the heart. Father, glorify Thy name even if this suffering must continue. Even if this pain must go on. Because what's most important to me it's not an easy life. What's most important to me is that Thy name would be praised. Father, grant the grace to do so. That's our prayer. And God answers that prayer. God answered Christ's prayer, first of all, that He would be glorified. And that's what we have in 
the verses that follow. Verse 28 begins with the heart of Christ's prayer, Father, glorify Thy name. And now here comes the answer. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. This is one of three instances of God speaking directly from heaven. The first was at Christ's baptism when He declared, this is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The second was at the Mount of Transfiguration when God made that same declaration. And now, here we have the third instance in the middle of the Passion Week. God saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it. And God says this as a direct answer to the prayer of His Son. And that's really quite beautiful when you stop and think about it. His Son has just said, Now is my soul troubled. How does the Father respond? He answers His prayer. Directly. He says to His Son, I have glorified it and I will glorified it. I have glorified it. I've already done so. And likely what's in view here is the fact that God had been glorified in Christ's incarnation. His lifelong life of perfect obedience, His ministry, His miracles, all of that had already served the glory and the honor of our God because in Christ's incarnation in His life, His miracles, God is showing His power to save in and through Jesus Christ. God was able to say, I have already glorified it. And then He adds, and I will glorify it. That is, I'll continue to glorify it. And that would happen especially through the suffering and death of Christ. God would be glorified in the arrest of Jesus Christ. When Jesus gave Himself willingly into the hands of His captors showing that His sacrifice would be a voluntary sacrifice for sin. God was glorified in the trial that took place For it was declared multiple times for all to hear, there's no fault in this one. He's the spotless, innocent, perfect Lamb. God was glorified in that. And God would be glorified especially in the crucifixion and death of Jesus Christ at Calvary. For at Calvary, He would showcase both His mercy and His justice. And how, and he would show how both of them come together perfectly, how they can be in perfect harmony together. God would be glorified. And God would be glorified not only in Christ's suffering and death, he'd be glorified in Christ's exaltation. Because God would show his power in raising his son up the third day after the third day of being in the grave. God would glorify his own name in the ascension of his son and the raising Him to His own right hand to rule over all. God answered the prayer of Christ. I have glorified it and I will glorify it. And the reality is there's nothing in all the world that's more glorifying to our God than the saving work of Christ. His prayer was answered. And so too, God answers our prayers. When we pray, hallowed be Thy name, glorify Thy name in, among, and through us. God answers, I have. I've already done so. For God is glorified. In His work of grace to take dead sinners and make them alive again. We see His irresistible grace in that. God is glorified when He works in us the gift of faith. 
and works in us still further to confess our faith before men, to let our light so shine. It's His work of grace in us and thus to Him be the glory. And we could give dozens, we could give hundreds of examples of all the different ways in which God has so worked in our lives, in which He's so given us His grace that His name has been glorified. And what is more, His answer to us is that He will continue to glorify it. Because this is pleasing to Him. God is a jealous God. He is jealous of His own glory. And when He makes us His children, He works in our hearts that we too become jealous for His glory. And when as His children we come humbly in true faith asking, Father, grant us the grace to glorify Thy name. Thy prayer in and of itself brings glory to His name. And it's a prayer He will answer. And so let us make this petition our own. Let this be first. Let our priorities be realigned this morning so so that what is most important to us is that God would be glorified in, among, and through us. May He so grant us His grace. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, blessed be Thy name, for Thou art the thrice holy and all-glorious God of heaven and earth. There is none like unto Thee, and thus we give Thee all the praise, honor, and glory. And we petition Thee this morning that Thou wouldst grant us the grace to know Thee and thus to praise Thee to live our whole lives in such a way that Thy name is never blasphemed, but rather honored and praised. We need that grace because of ourselves. We are sinners unable to live this way. And we want this grace because we are Thy children who are thankful for our adoption and want Thy name to be praised. Hear this prayer for Christ's sake. Amen.